Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And welcome to episode 145. And today we're going to talk about uh, a concept that has been messing with us both. We mentioned it a week ago, but this is going to be an in-depth dive on this one principle. We're going to explore it. And I had recently explored that with um, a group of high school seniors we have uh, high school seniors meet at our home. I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, we're going to talk about this idea about thoughts and feelings, how they're inextricably connected, even in the subconscious. We're going to play around with is that a fact or not? And if it is a fact, how can we leverage that for our own development uh, moving forward? Then uh, we're going to finish our episode today with a major Jim and John announcement. So we want you to stick around for that. That'll be how we close out the episode today. All right. So, John, it is uh, story or joke time, and you're up. Uh, Going story. Okay. Still can't can't bring myself to (laughs) – Well, after afraid not, I don't blame you for not venturing back into the joke pool. Afraid not is better than 90% of the jokes you brought up on this this podcast. You know my hen can count its own eggs now. It's a math but chicken. This is my story time, (laughs) not your joke time. (laughs) Uh, As with most of my stories – this one's more just me talking about something that I remembered. Yeah. It doesn't really have a narrative structure. Uh, but I was thinking about my meaning buddy. there's like no point to it? Uh, yeah. Well, meaning it's like, a, it's you know, Napoleon Dynamite. What's the point of Napoleon Dynamite? I see. What's the structure? Is there gotcha. a build? And right. then a big, well, there actually is kind of. There's the dance scene. That's like the big climax of the story, mm, which is kind of funny. Yeah, that is great. Um, but I figured I'd talk about my buddy, uh, Jesse. And I've, I'm sure I've told the story of him before. Uh, on here, but I think about him a lot. I've known him since I was six, I think. Uh, basically grew up at his house, half there, half at my house. Uh, so very, very literally like a brother to me. And Jesse is uh, a You were both kind of twinsies, too, because you were both uh, sizable for your age. Yeah, there's that. And he uh, he's actually two years younger than me. Yeah. Uh, so, but for somehow we were still... You know, thick as thieves you yeah, were. good friends all the time. And he eventually did blow up, and now we're about, I think, the exact same height. Yeah, he's a big funny. man. Yeah. Uh, so Jesse is a, a chef, and he, funny enough, knew he wanted to be a chef since he was probably 10, maybe mm-hmm. younger than that. Isn't that amazing? And uh, normally that doesn't stick mm-hmm. with with kids. <laughs> uh, but he ended up going to college for... What do you want to be when you were 10? Uh... I th- I wanted to be a storyboard artist for video games. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to write uh, or draw concept art and storyboard art. Yeah, I remember for that. Games. Yeah, and you did so on your own quite a bit. Yeah, most of my drawing comic on my own strips. was comics. Yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, so Jesse, that sorry to interrupt. Up, no, you're okay. That didn't end up. That's a good point because he's uh, he's actually seeing this through, and I didn't. Yeah, he know. is. Yeah, I'm weak willed. I guess. No, you but, you morphed yours into a deep, a different thing, but it's still very attached. Sure. Uh, so Jesse went to school for, uh, hospitality, I believe. And now he just went to, uh, Miami there in Denver where I, uh, did a lot of my growing up and, uh, he went to Miami to work at this big, uh, sushi place and he's becoming a sushi chef and he went there alone, didn't know anybody and got a small apartment and was working there, working his butt off like 60 hour weeks, something wow. crazy. And I'm really proud of him. And, uh, I just figured I'd talk about him. It's cool. The... 
Well, it's, there's a story that illustrates this. So when I worked at Mud Bay, Mud Bay is, and coffee in general, is not flipping burgers in the level of respect it gets. There's something, sure. there's something. I'd, you mean coffee gets more respect? Gets more, and not that it should, but there's a different thing about it. But like a barista is not the same as flipping burgers. Exactly. Yeah. It's probably because you're not wearing a uniform, you're not wearing like a polo shirt. You don't have grease, french yeah. fries. They're playing cool music. It's got like a, a thing about it. And, and there's an art, you know, you, you flip a burger at McDonald's, you're going to flip it the way they tell you to. Yeah. But there's an art to coffee. Well, and this is something, so in my head, when I got the coffee job, there's some embarrassment because I, I got out of college to do yeah, journalism. I got a four-year degree for this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and again, none of this is that it should be. Yeah. I, I, I have felt it. respect for the burger flippers and the barista. Yeah. And none of them should be embarrassed by the jobs. But I, but I Even if it. they do have four-year degrees. Even if they have four-year degrees. Right. And uh, well, I tell you, a manager at uh, Taco Bell makes double my salary. Big money. So it's not anything to snuff at. Yeah. Taco Bell is the highest paid franchise, I believe. That it makes sense for some reason. I know. I've been shocked at how the, how well their pay structure is. Well, good for them. Uh, I bet you Chick-fil-A beats them, but that's probably not. Maybe. I, that's a good question. I don't. I'm, I plead ignorance there. We're way in the in the sticks. But <laughs> so uh, Jesse comes to visit, and he flies up here from Denver for like a week, and he sleeps on our couch. And uh, but a lot of that I still have to work because I'm I'm at Bud Bay. I don't right. get you know time off or anything. So. Uh, he's a trooper. He just hangs out in Mud Bay, playing on his Nintendo Switch for you know six hour shifts basically. <laughs> and he walks down to the game store, and he walks down to the Walgreens, mm-hmm. and he gets sushi down there. Yeah, he, you know he kills time. And so he asked me to make him anything. He said, "Make me, make me your your best drink." And you know, you grow up with a guy, you don't think about differences in. Yeah, I didn't think about him as a as a chef. Like I didn't think like this is him going to a guy who makes. Right. Uh, makes drinks and saying, craft me your craft drink. So I just made him my favorite drink, which was a <laughs> a uh, uh, matcha uh, tea latte. Ooh. So you take, I, I'm telling you, man, I thought the same thing. Oh. Before I got this job, I had never tried any alternative milks besides mm-hmm. almond milk. Mm-hmm. And they had uh, coconut, almond, soy, hemp, and now, well, now they're not around. But they had hemp. Mm-hmm. And hemp milk was the big one. That's when I tried it. I was like, oh, man. This is good. This is like the best alternative milk I've ever had. I still wow. I like it more than oat milk. So this uh, uh, mate latte, mate's tea, <laughs> and you put it in a little milk pail, in a little steamer cup, yeah. and you pour your hemp milk in there. And then uh, for me, this is this is where the craft comes in. And I learned, you know, I picked up some stuff there. Sure. So uh, cinnamon obviously clumps up on the top of a drink if you do it. So if you do cinnamon in the milk with the mate before you steam it, then it steams up the cinnamon with the mate in the milk. And it really all comes together. It get, gets frothy and it's really blended together. So you don't have chunks of cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Then you do uh, honey at the bottom of your cup. You uh, let it sit in the steamer for a couple minutes, probably about three to five minutes. And then you use a little, the word that comes to mind is sieve, but that's not, there's a culinary version of a sieve. What am I thinking of? A strainer. Oh, okay. You have a little strainer. You pour it over into your cup with the honey and you melt the honey, stir it in. You got a cinnamon honey. So this takes like milk. five minutes to provide this yeah. beverage for him. Yeah. And uh, and it's it was very good. Was I, he impressed? He was very impressed. And it was that's when it clicked to me that this is this is a craft. Yeah. He it's it's his craft to make the food and he viewed, hey, this is he calls me Johnny. You guys can call me Johnny too if you want, but he's known me yeah. longer. And he says, This is Johnny's craft. Let's see let's let him make my thing. And I didn't think about it. I was like I was like, I flip burgers. I have a craft. I'm gonna flip a burger for Jesse. Right. And he was really impressed. He said, this is your thing. I, I like it. 
and that's when it clicked for me. This is his. This is his world. Is yeah. this kind of thing? Yeah. And I'm I'm really impressed by him. I just figured I'd talk about him for a little bit, and uh, and yeah. And how's he doing in Miami? Have you heard much lately? He's doing better than I would be. He's not burnt out. <laughs> he's uh, he's learning a lot and doing the sushi stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's he's thrilled that he's there. It's funny. His whole family. Uh, just, they're all foodies. Well, they all they all talk about things as if they're going to happen regardless of the probability. So it's like he, you know, he would talk about it this way. He says, uh, yeah, I think I'll go down to Miami and, and get some kind of job there and, and work my whole life away for a couple of years and just learn a bunch and then do whatever I want after that. Start my own restaurant really is what yeah. his long term goal, right? Yeah. And uh, but that's how he talks. And he mm-hmm. talked about that for almost anything. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, OK. And then he's there in like a, like maybe a month or two after he tells me that he's already in Miami. Yeah, he has a place. He has a job at this esteemed place. Yeah, that's a gutsy. And he just did it. And so anyway, I love that. Good guy. on you, Jesse. We yeah. love you. Yeah, and he's very good at his craft. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we had a part of this conversation before, kind of spurred on by the renovation of the heart by Dallas Willard. Mm-hmm. But give us a little. Uh, uh, yeah, so the, of? A refresher. A refresher. So the idea is that your thoughts and feelings are inextricably connected, meaning that uh, thoughts create feelings and thoughts uh, maneuver feelings and that you don't have any feelings that are fully detached from thought. Mm. And so, um, uh, so I have these high school seniors every year for the last 12 years. Uh, Sue and I invite the high school seniors to hang out at our house one night a week during their senior year. And this year we had just last Thursday, we had 21 high school seniors at our home and I pitched this to them and there was some pushback. They said, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> this and, is the, the, the average response of the, yeah. of the whole group. Well, they were kind of nodding, shaking 21 people. It's hard. Not everybody talks. Sure. So one young man said, um, he said, Hey, this, this morning, this small, tiny thing happens, and I erupt. Man, I am, I am furious. I'm ready to throw something against a wall. I'm so mad. Mm. And there's no way this little thing legitimizes that kind of anger. Sure. So uh, that's not attached to a thought. I just got mad, and it wasn't an appropriate thought response to this little stupid thing. It was just a moment of emotional rage. So, so in his mind, this came out unattached to thought. Right. And uh, so I'd like to hear what you think about that. Like, what would you, how would you respond to that? Uh, that to me is, uh, is just the deep waters of the heart. So that's not, I think it is attached to thought, but my general uh, assumption is that it's, it's hard to say because, because I kind of throw my hands up. I kind of go, well, that's the unknowable human heart is <laughs> I don't know where that came from any more than you do, but it came from somewhere. That's not just your random you're like, oh, my feelings decided to make me mad today. Like, that's okay. not how that works. Right. So I would agree with you that that came from somewhere. So how's that helpful? And I spent some time, that that was a Thursday night. I spent some, a lot of time on Friday reflecting on this and reflecting on the times I've had an emotional outrage about something that wasn't worthy of an emotional outrage. Sure. And trying to figure out what thoughts then would that be attached to. And I was putting myself in that space because we've all had that. You ever had where you just wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Yeah. Like, you can't even explain it. You wake up. And it's a crappy day and you can't get out of the funk. You can't get out of the blues. Why? That's a feeling. What possible thoughts is that attached to when you had no conscious thought, you woke up feeling that way. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, the reason I think this is helpful is because now we're getting into 
uh, knowing yourself. We're getting into exploring because to me, what's powerful about the notion that feelings and thoughts are connected is it pushes me on an exploration journey to follow my feelings, to find out what are the thoughts that create this. And if we can do so, we can find the thought patterns that actually have been debilitating our lives for Mm -hmm. a long time. And they're just under the surface there. We don't deal with them. We suppress them. We push them away. We don't, you know, you might not even have conscious memory of a lot of them. But when you follow the trail and you keep asking, why does that make me so mad? And why does that make me mad? And then why does that make me mad? I I have found, even in this case this last week, uh, I had a significant aha, which I'm happy to walk through. But I had a significant aha that brought me really to maybe the deepest level of understanding of why I have residual anger in my own heart and what the triggers are for it. Mm. So it was very helpful to me. Yeah. Um, That doesn't cure you. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But it gives you a a place to start to pray, a place to, uh, to apply your will to fight that, to change your thoughts. Like, okay, this is why that makes me mad. This is the thought that is... Uh, thrust at me, what thought am I going to counter that thought with? Yeah. No, I love that. And that's that whole thing. You know, we've been, what is that? We've been a broken record for a <laughs> long time now about mindfulness and that kind of knowledge is mm-hmm. power kind mm-hmm. of mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, do you want to go through your, uh... well, if it fits where you want to go with this, I want to, you know, I kind of want to follow the trail you're on mm-hmm. with what you're thinking about this. Well, so the stimulus for another conversation on this was uh, the next chapter in renovation of the heart by Dallas Willard. And he's talking about the whole chapter's on uh, broken humanity and how if you don't, if you can't start from broken humanity, then you can't end up where you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're trying to end up anyway. And so he says this and he's talking about uh, the, the biblical word for knowing God is interactive. Mm-hmm. It's uh, so it's not just, you know, book smart. It's experiential. It's knowledge. Ex- yes, exactly. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is uh, the knowledge of having known. Yeah. Like the way you know a person, yeah. you don't know. I know Russell Wilson, but I don't know Russell. Wilson. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. In, in in modern English, we say you know of Russell Wilson. Yeah. But you don't know Russell Wilson. Yeah. Exactly. That's a great point, or a good, great way to put it. So he says, uh, talking about the thought life and and the uh, uh, brokenness of humanity. He says the slide into pervasive soul corruption begins with the heart or will deflecting the mind from God, and so. Uh, that's that's again the the direct the what's the the active participant there is the mind or or I'm sorry the the will mm-hmm. and the the heart or will deflects the mind from God and that is the start of the brokenness of the human soul so that goes this goes beyond even feeling into state of uh corruption or wholeness mm-hmm. and how the the thoughts being on or off of God according to Dallas Willard mm-hmm. is the very first step of a uh, downward or upward trajectory. I yeah, and I, I think you know I want to I want to hover there for a second because when the mind or heart leave God, yeah, I think that is the normal state of humanity. That sure. is the impulse, and we'll get into this uh, maybe after our break. But I think the reason that's an impulse is because heart and sin are inextricably connected, mm. and so this is why Jesus would say they affirm me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. Sure. And so uh, really the only thing that matters 
is that your heart belongs to God. And the heart, as Jeremiah tells us, is deceitfully wicked and sick. Who can Mm -hmm. even know it? So our heart is masterful at leaving God, taking us on trails, wanting us to will and desire the wrong things. Then our heart is crafty to self-deceive and make us think that we're actually a way better person than we think we are. Sure. And that our plan has a lot higher likelihood of working than it actually does. (laughs) And uh, so we go on this journey away from God. And truly, it all begins with leaving God. And therefore, uh, every powerful future in your life begins with remaining with God. Yeah. And so the uh, the takeaway from our first conversation on renovation of the heart was my my personal takeaway was uh, uh, also balking a little bit at the uh, ability to which Dallas Willard says you can't control your feelings. Right. And so what I love about this is it says that the heart... Uh, uh, will and the heart and the will uh, redirect the, your thoughts from God, implying to me that you can enact your will to redirect your thoughts back to God and kind of restart this. If that's the first step uh, into trouble, that's your first step mm-hmm. out of trouble, right? Is willing those thoughts? Yeah, and I have landed where my personal practice is to use all of my will to only do one thing, and that is to keep myself connected to God. Hmm. So. Um, because that one decision is actually the pathway to all the answers I need. For sure. And all the resources I need and all the wisdom I need and everything. So truly, the only – it can be overwhelming to think, well, man, I've got to control what I eat and I've got to control what I say and I've got to control how my generosity goes and mm-hmm. I've got to – you know, it's exhausting. No, I'm going to use all my will to do one thing. I'm going to remain in Jesus. And truly, all those other things flow out naturally from his power – uh, in my heart by abiding in him. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, I'll do it for you. And you'll bear great fruit. So that's where I'm. my 100% willpower is aimed not at specific sin issues or specific decisions I should make sure. or specific habits, except this, I will abide with Jesus. So I sing to him all the time. I acknowledge his nearness to me all the time. And it is game changer in my life. And that is the extent of your will as far as your behaviors is just right. bringing you to that that. Yeah, spot. because whatever energy I need to do the next thing, he provides. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like willpower. That's the difference. It still is taking action. It's doing or not doing something. But I'm doing or not doing it in his power, not my own. And that, to me, is kind of the – that loss of control is what we talk about a lot as far as the um, – the word that comes to mind is downside of that relationship for a lot of people, people who want to be in control of that relationship. Yeah. That's the big, the bitter pill to swallow is that loss of that surrender. Yeah. And surrendered life is the only one. I mean, that's it. And so uh, for a while, this began for me with an absolute assassination of self love. So uh, I practiced two habits. One, if I desired something strongly, Mm -hmm. I denied myself of it. Plain and simple. If I desire it powerfully, I'm not giving it to me. And that was a season, and that was to teach me that I don't have to feed that all the time and to learn self-control. Sure. And then the other uh, um, habit was to just acknowledge the presence of God continually. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear more about this uh, sin and heart connection. But first, uh, let's hear your show and tell for this episode, and then we'll be back for our break with the second half of that conversation. Well, um, 
should I tell the story of what I learned from the argument with the seniors? And it wasn't an argument. The, <laughs> the discussion with seniors about thoughts and feelings being attached. And when you are filled with rage with a tiny trigger, what I learned from that. I would love to hear that. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, I was thinking when that conversation was over and they left my house and the, that night as I laid in bed and I got up the next day driving around I kept thinking, there's a connection. We just don't know what it is. You know, there's a thought there. And so I followed my own trail. And I recognized a pattern right off the bat. I realized that when I have this rage internal reaction to a tiny thing, there happens to be a similarity with the tiny things. Oh, yeah. And that similarity is that because this is the way I would word it. I like to serve people. I love to serve people. But when somebody treats me like my service is inadequate or poorly delivered or they criticize it, mm. I am filled with rage. Sure. You rarely can see it, but it's there. And um, and it's, it's staggering to me. It's terrifying to me sometimes how angry I get at just a little bit of hypercritical feedback or critical um, accusation about my motives or anything like that. Yeah. And so I started meditating on that. Why? Why is that such a big deal? And here it comes. I recognized that uh, in my childhood, I was required to make my decisions Mm -hmm. based on the desires of the people around me. So like a middle child kind of way, maybe that maybe middle child, uh, maybe just my temperament and the way that felt. Um, but it's like this, if you have two little kids and mm-hmm. this has happened a lot, this is a very common example. Uh, so let's say my little granddaughter, Eleanor, she's eight and she's staying with us for a week before she moves to Texas. And so let's say we're at the church and there's a little kid that wants to play with Eleanor, but that kid is obnoxious. That kid is pushing her around and Eleanor doesn't want to play with that kid. Sure. Or another one is, uh, she wants to hug you, but I don't want to hug her. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and hug her. And you tell her, hug her. Right. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. I've I have realized that in my mind, my entire life was dictated to me for the pleasure of others. Mm. And therefore, when that uh, when that for the pleasure of others is I'm told that was inadequate. Sure. <laughs> like uh, you did that for me, but that was inadequate. That's like do a, a double slap. To the oh, man. And so what I recognized is this is the heart of my people pleaser prison. Mm. And uh, so the thought. It's like the guy, you're at a stoplight, a guy starts wiping the windshield. And you go, no, no, no. You're right. the guy wiping the windshield. And you're like, right. well, I'm doing this for you. Right. You know? And I'm not even wanting any money. Right. You know. Um, and so uh, as I followed the thought trail, I realized, okay, so what I believe is that people um, want more from me than I can possibly give. And that they're inherently not happy with whatever I'm given. Mm. And when somebody confirms that belief, I lose my chickens. Sure. And um, so that then I was able to take that to Jesus and wrestle with what should my thoughts be in this pattern. And I realized I have a, I have a habit. I'm curious if you have this habit. I will argue with an imaginary person. Over something I believe, and I'm assuming somebody's going to argue with me about this. So I start building my <laughs> argument, and I'm having this imaginary argument with someone, 
and uh, and it's over a decision I'm going to make. I'm going to make this decision. People go, you can't make that decision. Why are you making that decision? So I argue the whole argument in my head. So then I'm ready whenever this this person shows inevitably up. comes to, right. to challenge you. And I was telling a friend of mine who's got a mental health background, and he said, "I do the same thing, and that is not good." <laughs> <laughs> And so I realized this is part of that whole thing. This is part of that whole thing. So what is my basic thought that creates these feelings? That I am required to dance to everybody's jig, mm-hmm. and it will not be adequate. It will be found wanting. And, uh, man, if I can get free from that in Jesus' name and I can live with a different thought pattern, maybe I can get rid of that rage that pops in me and surprises me sometimes. Sure. So that is that, uh, uh, that's thoughts and feelings. If yes. you can, if you can change the thought pattern, mm-hmm. then you can change the feeling response. And you know, this is second uh, Corinthians 10, take every thought captive and force it to be obedient to Christ. And the truth about this is I am not the servant of human beings. I serve them in Jesus name, but I'm a servant of Jesus Yeah. to one. I will stand and fall and it will be Jesus and I'll stand cause he's able to make me stand. So I don't need to fear being a failure. I don't need to fear letting people down. I need to uh, fully attach to him and serve people out of joy, kindness, and the love of God. But their evaluation of my service is not my concern. I love that. Yeah. That's so that's, awesome. a, that's a changing, uh, powerful place to be. Well, and even just recognizing that trigger is huge. I mean, yeah. that that is... Uh, I don't know. That's like you, you're watching a murder show and you pick the killer in episode one. Like, you know, that's, that's not easy. <laughs> right. That's, there's a lot of searching that goes into yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So here's my show and tell, and yeah, then we'll do, do our commercial. Uh, I'm going to recommend a TV show. Okay. And it is on BBC or PBS. If you get that, um, we, we have stream, we have access to this on streaming. So it's a British thing. Uh, it has been done before, but it's called All Creatures Great and Small. Hmm. That's the name of it. And it's the story of these veterinarian, these veterinarians in um, England, rural England in 1938, I think. Okay. And uh, it is it is as family friendly as you can get. Like there is no profanity. There's no, you know, sex stuff. Um, there is. Uh, reference to people liking each other and sure. giddy flirting and stuff. But I just got to tell you, man, the scenery is spectacular. The acting's great. The storyline's good. There are two seasons of it. I, I'm told it's been done before. So this is the new one. Okay. And it is outstanding. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right. We'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. 
Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. Welcome back. Uh, we want to give a quick thank you. We do this often, but not often enough, to our uh, Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a uh, what is the word I'm thinking of? Uh, like they a, are a faithful bunch, faith, man. quiet but faithful. Yes. Yeah, they and, they just they stick around. And and if you're a patron, man, you have no idea how encouraging it is to us that this matters enough to you to do that. So thank you. Yeah, very very grateful. And for just our regular listeners, if they uh, can't support for any any reason other than just just with their uh, listening hours. We're inordinately grateful for that also. Yep. Uh, okay, so you had my only uh, aha revelation was on thoughts and feelings thoughts and feelings, and the thinking of God and then the not thinking of God and the act of the will. But you had one on the heart and sin. So tell me more about that. Okay, so I want to finish yours, though. So you're saying that your aha was that those are, in fact, connected, and they're connected in that you think of God or you think away from God. Mm-hmm. And that's the very first that's step. That's the step. Your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thought that hit me thinking about all of that was that, uh, that the heart and in this definition for us, the heart is your will, your, uh, thoughts and your feelings. Sure. So thoughts, feelings, and your, your choices, your will, you imposing your will that these comprise your heart. And it occurs to me that all sin is born in that very space right there, um, the thoughts, feelings, and decisions, that's where sin is born. And this resonates with me now as I reflect on it through Scripture because James says, don't ever say that God tempts you because each of us is dragged away and enticed by our own evil desires, and it gives birth to sin, and sin gives birth to death. So it all happens right there in that space, thoughts, feelings, and will. Then it makes me think about um you know, Jesus saying that, you know, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Totally. This is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So even your speech is coming out of your heart. Jesus saying, clean the inside of the cup, not the outside. You're working on the outside of the cup, but if you clean the inside, the outside will be clean too. So if you clean the heart, if you clean this space, everything becomes clean. Yeah. And then thinking about, um, thinking about David saying, uh, he was a man after God's own heart. And this is what made God uh, cherish him, is that this man is a heart after God. Sure. Second uh, Chronicles 16, 9, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show himself powerful on behalf of those whose hearts are perfectly his. This really is the game. Yeah. And so you, you might say, well, what I do with my body is the game. No, because what you do with your body comes out of your heart. Uh, how you treat people comes out of your heart. Your generosity, your greed comes out of your heart. It really is the whole game. And so thoughts and feelings are connected, but heart and sin, that's where it's won and lost. And, you know, you could say, well, I'm not the kind of person who does that. I just blew it. Mm. That's not me. I just blew it. Well, you have to admit, well, I'm the kind of person who blows it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so how do I blow it? It's the heart. It's, it's, this, it's this space. So that's why I think for me the simplicity of this is put all my willpower towards abiding in Jesus because that's where the heart becomes transformed, the heart becomes renewed, the heart becomes um, more like his heart. Totally. And that is the – so, again, if you wanted to change the heart, you say, well, how do I do that? First step is still chronologically. You use your will to get your thought to God. Yep. And then you invite him into that heart space and you join him in that heart space and slowly work on the inside of the cup to get to those – 
to tackle those strongholds that you're having such a hard time with. Absolutely. And I think you and I would both, it would be our uh, testimony that beginning with a greater awareness of God uh, was the game changer. Absolutely. Just increasing your awareness of God. Just start right there. And that becomes the trail that takes you to wonderful places. And for me, and this will be my takeaway from the the conversation, the uh, power of that uh, abiding, which again is where we, we use constantly, uh, is not, um, you would think like, like, like you're dying a cloth. You put the cloth in the dye and it comes out the color and you don't have to redo that. It's that color. Mm-hmm. So you'd think, oh, you spend this much time in the presence of God, a cumulative hours or days or weeks right. in the presence of God. You'd think you could leave the presence and coast pretty good yeah. for who knows how long. And I have found that I can for varying degrees of time, sometimes a couple of days, sometimes a couple of weeks. Yeah. But, but it's, never very long. Well, you're... Maybe you've been soaked longer than I have because mine's not long at all. When my, when the time uh, in that space starts to dip, it's a pretty immediate difference for me. So that is that constant uh, depending on God, abiding in the vine, those active verbs, and that's how that's you know uh, in opposition to our often in the church uh, view of the one time salvation and the, right. the new person and and people still struggling post conversion. You know, that's the, the reality of that for me. That's the, and that, this is the knowledge, the lived knowledge. Now. Yeah. I knew, I, I, I knew that's kind of how that worked, but now I know that's how that works. Yeah. And I think it would be my observation, not my promise, but my observation. Now that you say all that, I realize the whole wake up on the wrong side of the bed thing. Mm-hmm. I have never had that happen to me while I'm abiding in and awareness of God. As I've grown that and, and anchored in that place, sure. I don't I don't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I just realized I don't yeah. do that except when I'm when I'm neglecting uh, the abiding. I have, but I am newer at this. Mm. So, uh, and so, how did that go? How's what's the difference of waking up that way as an abider versus waking up that way not abiding? Uh, the only difference is how I end the day. Mm. It's com- ending the day, coming to that place again. Uh, seeking forgiveness and mm-hmm. and and re uh, coming back to that you know what's yeah. the word I'm looking for? You basically uh, regrouping, recalibrating, recalibrating. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, as opposed to just going to bed angry about the day that mm-hmm. was angry mm-hmm. and bad from the start. Gotcha. You know, and then the next day I haven't had two in a row. I'll say that since That's since cool. uh, since yeah. this whole journey. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, listen, uh, we are really really grateful for you. And so thanks for taking this time to be with us. We want to make a major Jim and John upstream announcement. And that is that we have decided uh, to uh, to bring an end to upstream with Jim and John. And we're not sure if it's a permanent end or a pause. Um, but this is something we've been wrestling with for quite some time. So here's the plan. We will do uh, we will release an episode for February 14, which is Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. We will release our, and that one is a listener mail. We're yeah. going to do a listener mail episode for February 14. Then on February 21, we're going to do a goodbye for now episode where we will unpack for you why we've made this decision and uh, kind of let you in on our process of what we're going to do next. And then on February 28, we will release to patrons only a YouTube video where we will thank you. Uh, go a little deeper in our own journey and um, have a patrons only celebration. 
then, uh, and we invite all of you patrons to uh, decide when to cease your patron activity for us. Uh, we will cease it at the end of February if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. And so um, that support will come to an end. Yeah. Uh, we, for patrons kind of uh, on a practical end, that'll be a link on the on our Patreon page that you should get an email notification for that. I'll send that out. And, you'll, uh, get a, you'll get a newsletter format at least, uh, and we will find a way to get you that link. And it'll be a link to a YouTube video mm-hmm. that only patrons can watch. And uh, and everything is good. We just have other things. We'll talk about it more on the uh, the twenty eighth or 21st. no the twenty first. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, and for the fourteenth, our listener mail. It's your last chance. So we're we're shaking you from the shoulders. Please <laughs> send us whatever questions you got. Yeah, and we would love to answer them. And we do have a short list already. Mm-hmm. And so add to it if you want to hear Jim and John discuss your question. Uh, get it to us. Uh, really rapido, mm, please. Immediatamente. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, thank you guys very much. You can uh, again, if you want to get those to us, those uh, any questions you had, comments, uh, uh, anything for this video or previous videos, or sorry, uh, conversations, mm-hmm. uh, you can send that to us via email at info at jimandjohn dot com, and on Instagram you can DM us at Jim and John, uh, no H in the John, or you can comment on our weekly post there. And we would love to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, anything else? Nope. Thanks a lot. We love you. We are really grateful. And uh, God is good, and life is, life is good. Talk to you next week. 